don't let one bad experience keep you from doing something. Because when I think about angling, it's not a man's activity. It's an activity that men tend to do more than women. That's Mandy Dubwin, owner of the iconic Al's Goldfish Lure Company, along with her husband, Jeff. Mandy is our special guest on this Christmas Day edition of the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast. You're in for a real treat. So cozy up next to the fire, kick up your feet, sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing and the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your host, Angie Scott and Barb Perry. Merry Christmas to all our Woman Angler and Adventure podcast listeners, and to anyone who may be joining us for the first time. You're already starting to feel like family to my co-host Barb Carey and I, so we're more than happy to be spending time with you on such a special day of the year. We hope Santa brought you everything on your list, and we'd love to see that new bow, scope, pop-up ice shelter, auger, bait caster, or whatever it may be. So show us your loot on the Woman Angler and Adventure Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us on this special Christmas edition of the Woman Angler and Adventure podcast. You may recall back in the fall I had the opportunity to attend an outdoor writers conference up in Bismarck, North Dakota. It was there that I met Jeff Dubwin. Jeff told me that he and his wife Mandy had recently purchased the iconic lure company Al's Goldfish. I learned that Al's has been around since the early 1950s. He showed me a few of their lures, and I was super impressed with the look, feel, and quality. But what really got my attention was his wife's story. I knew we had to have her on the show. It's not every day you hear of a husband and wife run fishing lure company. And I was happy to learn that Jeff and Mandy are also major supporters of introducing more diversity into the fishing industry. So I hope you enjoy Mandy's story. Mandy grew up an only child in a small company-owned copper mining town in Arizona. Pretty much nobody owns their own property or home in the town. It's owned by the company. And so we were out in the middle of the sticks, and my dad is avid, avid, obsessed kind of hunter. And I was the only child, therefore I was the child. You know, there was no, you know, he he didn't have a son to do stuff with, and it didn't really matter to him that I was a girl. I was just the person that he did stuff with. Mandy was and still is, in fact, close with her dad. Though she shot her first deer when she was 10, she got away from hunting as she grew older. However, her hunting knowledge came into play very recently. Just this year, a few weeks ago, um, Jeff, my husband, got his first deer, and so I um, coached and mentored him on the gutting, but I didn't have to get involved. I just told him what to do, and this is how you do it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so basically, um, you know, angling has been my thing probably since I've been an adult. Her passion for angling in large part can be attributed to influences from both her maternal and paternal grandfathers. After high school, Mandy attended a local junior college for a bit. In what seems like it could be a precursor to her life's future career paths, she found herself working in a very much male-dominated occupation. I actually worked in the mine driving a haul truck. And those are the big mamma jammas. That's where, you know, like, I was shorter than the hubcap on the tire. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I did that to save money to go to university. And, you know, at the time... 
you know, a lot of a lot of my crew members um, would would say, you know, what, what are you going to study when you go off to school? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And one lady told me, she said, you know what, it really doesn't matter. Employers, and of course, this was 20 years ago, but you know, employers are just looking for that piece of paper. So take courses in something you like, and it'll all work out. That sage advice led Mandy to Boise State University, where she became a biology major. While I was, you know, into animals and that whole scene, I kind of emphasized botany. And so I ended up working for the Forest Service on several forests in um, in Idaho for a while. As with most people, once you graduate college, there comes that time when reality sets in and you have to find a job that pays the bills. This is where I like to say this is where my life as plankton on the ocean <laughs> began. <laughs> and I call myself plankton because I would just end up in jobs like a door would open and, well, okay, I would walk through that door. But it wasn't, I wasn't following anything that was my pursuit of happiness any longer, right? Mm-hmm. I was just okay, well, that job pays better and it's something new to do. And so the next thing I knew, that's what I was off to. And so I ended up, which was actually a really cool experience in my life. Um, I ended up working in um, chemical demilitarization, which was the destruction of chemical weapons like sarin, VX, and mustard gas. And I did that in Oregon. Through some other life events along her journey, Mandy ended up getting a small taste of what it was like to live in Maine and absolutely fell in love with it. But she soon found herself back in the Pacific Northwest. Without getting super technical, one of the things she worked on was remediation from the atomic bomb. Quick side note about the atomic bomb. In 1942, the United States began developing the bomb, a.k.a. the Manhattan Project, at a nuclear research plant just east of where I'm currently located in Nashville in the city of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I got to fish near Oak Ridge last year on Melton Hill chasing muskie with guide Stephen Paul, who had just three weeks earlier caught the state record. And ironically, when I went to take my captain's license test in Chattanooga, it was just Stephen and I in the testing room. It was super fun reconnecting with him. He's a big supporter of female anglers and this podcast, and I hope to fish with him again in February. So back to the atomic bomb. <laughs> Let me indulge myself in going off on a tangent here. My favorite country music group growing up was the Oak Ridge Boys. In fact, they're largely the reason I moved to Nashville to study the music business, and they're the only people I knew when I moved here at the time. They started out in 1943 as the Georgia Clodhoppers, and I should note none of the current members were part of that group at the time. The group was invited to play at the top secret research plant there in Oak Ridge. The Clodhoppers became so popular in Oak Ridge that they decided to change their name to the Oak Ridge Quartet. In 1961, the group modernized their name, switching quartet to boys, and the rest is history. I could go on and on about my favorite group, so I'll digress and get back to Mandy's story. Um, Then I met Jeff, and Jeff also worked in the same industry, and both of us were at that point where we want something more. I was in love with Maine, wanted to come back to Maine, and so we came out on a vacation. We actually went shark fishing out of Portland, Maine, had a great time, and he fell in love with Maine, like, yep, that's the place I want to live. And so then we began to put together a plan of how do we get to Maine? They were able to get themselves to the East Coast through work and found themselves in South Carolina. That allowed them to make frequent trips to Maine as they were seeking out a business to buy. I asked Mandy, why go that route? In the industry we worked in, 
Me, particularly, I had a very niche job, which gave me very niche experience that wasn't easily translatable. But then also, I didn't want to work and do that anymore. And so then I was like, well, how do I market myself to companies in Maine? Because, you know, Maine was where we wanted to live. That was our goal. And then for Jeff, you know, he has broader experience. But the thing about Maine is that at least at the time when we were looking, there weren't a lot of jobs to be had or at least good paying jobs. I should clarify, we don't have good paying jobs now. <laughs> New business owners. Right. <laughs> but um, but we are theoretically in charge of own, our own destiny. So when, when we were looking to say to get out of the industry we were in, we were both, okay, so... The industry we were in, being you know nuclear waste remediation, very structured. You know, all processes have a procedure. Um, very much, you do things as things have been done. Change is very hard to to get you know get that boat turned around in a new direction and stuff. And so for us, we were just we wanted something different. Well, being very kind of strong-minded people and pretty independent, we. We both thought, well, the answer is, is that we need to be in charge of our own destiny. Therefore, we need to own our own business. So that is kind of how we started looking at, like, well, how, how are we going to make life what we want it to be? Then we need to be entrepreneurs. Enter Al's Goldfish. When we found Al's Goldfish for sale, we came up and we looked at it and we fell in love with the product because it's made in the USA. There's not a lot of fishing tackle on the market that's made in the USA, and that was super important Mm -hmm. for us to be supporting domestic manufacturing. And we both together like to fish. It's something that's our kind of together time when we have a good time together. Well, what we didn't know at the time was that, and this is something that I've heard on some of your other podcasts that I've listened to, is that once you get involved in the industry, you actually fish quite a bit less than you've ever right. wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Tell me about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So um, we don't fish as much as we would like to. Um, we call it product testing, of course. And um, <laughs> but we fell in love with the product. We were really fortunate. We felt like this was the business for us. And so we closed on this business earlier this year. So that's kind of the, the swoop of how I came to own a fishing lure business. And so while, you know, on paper, she with the most money wins or whatever, um, you know, I own the most shares in the company or something. And so that's kind of like the technical reason, like, why is Mandy the president of Elf Goldfish? But the other reason is that when Jeff and I talked about our values and what we wanted to do with the company, part of it is, is that when you look around at a lot of the media that has to do, especially with just anything outdoors, you see a lot of imagery that is of white men. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our vision and, and for every for anybody who has never met Jeff, right? He's a white guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what we wanted to do is that, you know, we wanted to invite minorities, which includes women, which includes men of other ethnicities and stuff into because that's not to say that those people don't fish. That's right. just that when you look at stuff that's out in the media, it's not the imagery you see a lot, right? Right. So anyway, so that that was that was a goal for us. Like we really want to market and promote people of all kinds into angling and that sort of thing. And so when you think about it, well, what's your first step? Well the 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 president of the company needs to be a minority. So, you know, Jeff's pretty he's he's very secure in himself. He didn't need to be the man behind the business. But when 
when you talk about who we are as a couple, we're very equal partners. It's not, you know, he might make fun of me and say, be like, okay, well, you're the president. You need to make that decision, you know, and yeah, as a joke, but everything we do is in tandem. And I think we have a, a good working relationship. But what I can tell you on the flip side is that as a couple, we're together 24 mm-hmm. seven and that's hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Working together 24-7 isn't the only challenge Jeff and Mandy have faced since buying Elle's Goldfish. It's been a school of hard knocks, so to speak. And I can say we don't have any entrepreneurial experience. Um, we both just have very strong work ethics. We're both willing to do what it takes to learn. And I can tell you, man, since we've owned this business, we learn every day. And sometimes it feels like it's more like the school of hard knocks <laughs> than anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts where you talked um, to Joe from it's Salt Strong, mm-hmm. right? Yep. He was talking about leaving very, very lucrative career to start his own business. For us, it was very much the same story. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I When I look back, you know, it's very easy to, um, when, we, when we talked ourselves into it, like this is what we wanted to do. I can say now I wouldn't change my mind. I wouldn't have done it differently, but it's just harder than you thought, or it was. It's harder than we thought it was going to be. Right. Because it's not just you know we're learning. So we're learning a whole new industry. So it's one thing to be on the other side of the fence where we were um, buying fishing products. It's different to manufacture and market fishing products. I can relate to having to learn so much. You know, it's kind of like with starting this podcast, there's been so many things that it's almost overwhelming at times, the things that you have to learn, like all the different social media and marketing. And so I guess it's, you know, the way I feel like it is for me is trying stuff doesn't work, waste of time or whatever, and then going back and, and learning from that and trying something else, you know, and kind of like that failing forward mentality. Is that how it's felt for you so far? Yes. Feeling, you know, always just kind of sometimes you, you leave work at the end of the day and you feel kind of beaten up by all the failures that you recognize. But um, there's times when I've been really grateful for those failures because I learned something from them that's going to help me do something better, certainly not that same thing again, but also do other things better as a result of learning from it. So, right. you know, you, it's, it's one of those give and takes, like you said, sail forward. It's, yeah. it, it's more than just that one failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you know, investing money in the company. Um, it's almost like you're paying for an education at the same time, you know? So it's, uh, the way I see it, it's, it's just learning opportunities, um, rather than, you know, failures, I guess. You know, earlier in this podcast, I mentioned that Al's has been around since the early 1950s. I imagine it must be really cool to be a part of something with such a rich history and hearing generations of folks talk about how much the product means to them and the nostalgia associated with it. I asked Mandy about that. I actually started thinking, even today I was thinking about when we, we, we attend a lot of trade shows in the spring. And when we attend these trade shows, I started thinking about, you know, like if I had one of those little ticker things that you, you just count, click, 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 click. I should start, I should take one of those with me because I really need to start recording how many times we hear something along the lines of greatest lure ever made. So to kind of answer your question, you you had you had said the company began in the early 50s. So in 1952, Al Stewart, which is basically how the company got named Al's Goldfish, he, he established the company, he had developed this 
spoon, the goldfish. And from there until, you know, the mid-1970s, the goldfish was, like, the top lure, one of the top lures sold in New England. I like to say that this company is a cult favorite in New England, and it's New Eng one of New England's best-kept secrets. And so when Jeff and I bought the company, having a history of, you know, fishing in all four corners of the United States, we knew this spoon can work in all waters everywhere. It's a very versatile product. The goldfish itself is is hugely versatile. You can catch anything on it, uh, trout, salmon, bass, panfish, walleye, muskie, pickerel, northern pike, anything in freshwater pretty much is going to be interested in a goldfish. I don't say kittyfish, catfish. I call catfish kittyfish. Anyway, I don't say catfish, although we have customers who send photos that they caught catfish on goldfish. It's just not something we, we market particularly, but... Um, and then for saltwater, we have a saltwater series goldfish and striped bass, bluefish. We have people who take their goldfish on vacation down to the Caribbean, and they've told us, hey, you know, I caught a barracuda on your goldfish. I caught a bonefish. You know, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. So, again, so we're really marketing the goldfish as this is a versatile lure. And um, there are a lot of people, you know, they like to use hard plastics or soft plastics, and they haven't you know, gotten their mind wrapped around that spoons are not just for trout and salmon sort of fish, right? right? The goldfish was hugely popular product. And then what Al was doing was he was also developing some other lures and we have some other Al's original lures that we sell as well. And then he was getting into just other lures that mimicked other companies that were his contemporaries at the time. And so when you talked about when, you know, have any great stories, when we go to a trade show, you'll have people who thought that Al's Goldfish was no longer in business because about the 1980s, Al's Goldfish kind of fell out of the limelight in the recreational fishing market. And so there's a lot of anglers who today don't know that Al's Goldfish is still in existence or if they're a younger set, they don't know anything about the company mm -hmm. and the product at all. And so just as a matter of fact, today, there's a media company that put out a press release that says, hey, you know, we're going to be at the St. Paul, Minnesota ice fishing show next weekend. And somebody who was in that group on Facebook came back and said, I love this lure. This is one of the greatest lures. I had no idea that the company was still in business right <laughs> there. That just happened this morning. Wow. Right. So, yeah, when we go to trade shows, we'll have older gentlemen anywhere, you know, like they can be in their 80s down into their 50s. And what we hear all the time is something along the lines of greatest lure ever made, have a ton of them in my a tackle box. My dad, my grandpa, my uncle, my somebody taught me to fish with that lure, caught my first fish on that. It's my go-to. Anytime something's not working, I just go to the goldfish and I catch something. Something along that iteration is what we hear time and again. And so sometimes at first it's really gratifying to hear that when we first started hearing that. It was like, wow, that's so cool. But then after a while when you're like, well, hey, well, you, would you like to buy Would you like to buy a new one? And then they say, well, I have a tackle box full of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're 20 and 30 years old right. and they still work. And Dang so it. they don't need more goldfish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well. So that's that's the downside of a really great product that right. that you know is quality product, right? Well, hey, they make so. good gifts too. So <laughs> that's oh. right. 
Well, right. when I was up at the Glow Conference, so I, I resonated with a lot of what you were just saying because I personally had never heard of Els Goldfish before. I grew up in Minnesota. I don't know if geographically if that has anything to do with it or the fact that I was born in 78. So when I got into fishing, it was in the mid to late 80s. And, you know, like you said, it had kind of fallen off a little bit by then. But when I was up at the Glow Conference, um, there was a freshwater fishing hall of famer that I had the pleasure of fishing with, Kenny Kieser. Uh, he's a, ah. a great outdoor writer and he mentioned, you know, we were, we met Jeff and stuff and we were talking about Alice Goldfish and he was just going on and on about what a great lure that is. And so it was cool for me to see, uh, somebody like him talking about that, that particular lure that I'd, I'd not heard of, but, you know, learned from Jeff that had been around for a really long time. And, uh, just to see kind of the excitement that, that Kenny had when he was talking about it was, was pretty cool. We mentioned Salt Strong earlier. Well, I'm a member of their insider club, and a while back they posted an article titled, The Seven Essential Saltwater Fishing Lures. Guess which one they ranked as number one? The simple yet versatile gold spoon. So I had my last bass tournament, uh, I guess it was in October. We were out, and the fishing was really slow that day, and I had my L's original goldfish with me and I decided to, to give it a try so I just you know we weren't really getting anything at all and after a couple of casts I, I got a bite and it was really in a bass and I was really impressed I was like wow this thing really does work and I loved how easy it was to cast and I love the wobble action of it and I also love that I didn't have to worry about adding a split ring to it that I could just tie it right on and fish just like that after a little while I tried jigging with it too just to see and and that was crazy I mean the fish went nuts over that thing and it they were white bass so it wasn't gonna count toward my tournament but it was still fun just to see you know um so I can't wait to fish with it again I I just really enjoyed it and I think the ease of fishing with it it makes for a great lure for people that are just starting out learning because you basically you just cast and reel you know like what what could be easier than that Quick side note, Barb Carey met up with Mandy at this year's St. Paul Ice Show and did a little video. If you want to see the action we're talking about, uh, they filmed a little bit of that in the video. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It's in the Woman Angler and Adventure Facebook group, as well as on my personal page. But I'll give you a direct link to that video so you can go check it out for yourself. I had read a quote recently, or a quote from you in a ODU magazine that really resonated with me, and I wanted to share that. You said, so many young people and women haven't taken the opportunity to spend time in the outdoors and on the water. It's our objective to support initiatives which encourage everyone, women, men, and children, to get out of the house and experience phys- the physical, mental, and emotional therapy the rest of us know can be realized when we're unplugged and casting into the water waiting to see what treasure might be reeled in. That, that was so cool. And so, you know, I 
one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I know that your company supports, you know, like we talked about earlier, minorities and just trying to change the landscape of the fishing industry to, to feel more inclusive to everybody. Is that part of your general game plan uh, in trying to expand L's presence geographically? Well, for sure. And I, I would say... You know, geographically, that's probably where you get some of your, I guess, more different kinds of people, right? So in New England, New England is a lot of a lot of Caucasians, and that might be true in the Midwest as far as like England goes, right? But in the Southwest, that's you know, you you have a lot more people, um, especially of like Hispanic origin, right? Um, in the South, you get people, you know, from Cuba. You have a lot of African Americans, all of that. So when you expand geographically and if you're trying to like you said market to people to make the industry more inclusive then that i think you know those things just work together right Right. they're intertwined yeah right but you know when you were saying you were talking about how i mean you you and i clearly just traded notes and we didn't know it because my thing about the goldfish that i tell people whether you're you're a new angler whether you're a child or whether you're somebody who didn't grow up with the benefit of a mentor who took you out, that sort of thing, and you're just wanting to learn on your own. And what's super cool is that, you know, when we're at trade shows, we meet a lot of people like that. They're just going to the trade show to learn about products and learn because they want to teach themselves how to fish. Um, When we meet those people and telling them is just what you said. First of all, um, some people who are not totally familiar with a goldfish think it's a spinner. And it only spins if you put it on a swivel. Mm -hmm. So like you said, direct tie, you don't need all that other hardware, just tie onto the nose and it's going to do its job. And so when you think about, you know, typically like with children, new anglers, um, you know, there's a, there's a progression. Typically, you know, you're casting out with say a worm and a bobber and they're learning just how to like set a hook and reel in and that sort of thing. And then the next thing, what are you going to do? You might teach them like jigging with a lure, like you said, or, um, and then casting, casting comes next. Well, next well then the thing is about a goldfish you just reel if you can cast you just reel the goldfish is going to do all the work for you because that action that wobble action and i'm so happy that you were pleased with it because i love watching it come through the water it looks exactly like a fleeing minnow Mm -hmm. and that's what bigger fish want to eat is that little minnow that's ripping through the water and um so that's just so easy because a new angler doesn't have to be thinking about well, now that I'm reeling, the little tricks and stuff like right. that you can do while you're reeling, right? You just let it do the work for you. And so that's why I think, you know, so many people especially say, I caught my first fish on a goldfish, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that the, that's probably why and why they say, oh, it's always a go-to if I'm not getting anything else. And that's kind of what happened with you, like you said in your story. And I just, I'm so glad you said that. It made me yeah well i'm going out tomorrow and i'm i'm probably gonna fish it again tomorrow and just i mean it yeah it was it was exciting to uh to just have it be that simple and have success one other thing i wanted to touch on before we wrap up our conversation is something else that you guys do is really cool that jeff mentioned to me you guys work with an organization called work opportunities unlimited can you talk a little bit about that yeah i can and so first of all to to kind of talk about that is part of you know our desire to be inclusive of all kinds of anglers is also 
to reach out to people who have, they're living with disabilities. And so in the short time that Jeff and I have owned the business, we've been involved as far as like our outreach in probably three different, three different ways to get kids and young people involved in fishing. And one of them specifically that we're involved, we're going to be involved with um, next spring has to do with um, children with disabilities, a fishing day. But part of our, part of our business plan, not written, but between us was that when we had seen the work that goes into putting together the products here, it's not it's not brain surgery, right? So people with disabilities, whether those be physical limitations or learning disabilities or anything like that, could work in a safe, fun environment and be able to do this. And we could, you know, we benefit, they benefit. That was kind of what we saw for it. It was a bit serendipitous how it all came together, but they were moving locations and the current employees weren't going to be able to relocate with them. So Jeff and Mandy found themselves working seven days a week running their new company when a tip from a customer would change their trajectory. She called us out of the blue and she said, hey, you know, would you guys be interested in working with people who may have some challenges or barriers to employment? And we said, absolutely, that is something we're very interested in. This is, you know, a concern that we had, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, look, here, you got to understand. And I don't know how this works in other states because I've never been in the position to um, find out. But mm-hmm. in the state of Maine, there's, you know, the Department of Labor wants to get all able bodies to work if possible, because now in this time, there's more jobs in this economy than there are bodies to fill them. And so what the state of Maine does is that they have a program so working with organizations who basically fill the gap or between the Department of Labor and the employee, those organizations like Work Opportunities Unlimited help people get placed. Now, this can be any kind of person that Work Opportunities helps get placed into jobs. The woman who had contacted us, she said, well, let me put you in touch. So the Department of Labor and she, it came down. They did a review of our facility. We showed them the kind of tasks and jobs that the employees we would need would be doing. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, yeah, you guys are set up. This is great. And so they went out and basically the Department of Labor put out the back call to those organizations in the state and said, well, at least in our area, you know, and said, here's this employer. This is the kind of skills and employment that they're going to need. And so Work Opportunities Unlimited, Jill, she responded. So Jill works for Work Opportunities. So she responded. She came in. She did the same thing. She looked around. She said, I have two people I could recommend right now who can do this work for you. So she brought them in. This was real quick. This is just like a meet and greet. They're kind of looking around. And so um, our employees, they came in. They looked around. They were very nervous. They left. And Jill said, well, what do you want? Do you think you want to try it out? And they said, sure, you know, they'll try it. So what's awesome is, is that the Department of Labor pays them for what's called an assessment period. And so the assessment period is usually like two weeks. Mm-hmm. It can go on longer if it needs to. So they came in and they worked with us for two weeks. During that time, we're, we're assessing them and seeing if we think that they could do the job. They're assessing us. Do they want to work here with us? It's so awesome because I think as an employee, how many times would I have liked to have checked out my employer before I said whether I wanted the job or not, right? Like an actual hands-on, it's super cool, right? Yeah. So they're getting paid for that time. And then after the assessment, we made a decision, do we want to bring them on as employees? And so, yes, we did. They did wonderfully. And so we brought them on there, our direct employees. But in the meantime, Jill remains as the job coach. And so Jill comes and so um, because of the benefits they receive 
from the state. She comes in and she serves as that extra layer of supervision. So she learns the task just as they do. She doesn't do the task. She learns it and she helps them. And so, you know, if we have something new that we tell them, you know, I can come back into the office and I'm doing my work and Jeff can go do some other project. But, you know, I can hear her in there and say, well, you know, I heard Jeff told you to hold it like this, but you're not holding like that. And it looks like you're struggling. So why don't you try it like Jeff showed you again? So she's reinforcing all the stuff that a supervisor would do, but yet we don't have to pay for the supervisor. Right. Wow. That's really cool. so awesome because now now these people who maybe had a challenge in getting employment now have meaningful employment and we have employees we adore and they they do wonderful work for us and it's just been win-win-win. Well, I hope you've been enjoying our chat thus far. Before we wrapped up our conversation, I asked Mandy if she had any parting thoughts. This is what she had to share. When you think about women in particular, and I'm sure that this has come up again in the times you've had, my experience in being working in male-dominated industry, and then and, and, and then still the fishing, the angling industry is still very male-dominated, is there's a lot of times where you might get, as a, as a female, treated like the little woman, pat on the head, that sort of thing. And so when I think about encouraging women to get out and find find a coach, find a mentor, it's okay if it's a dude, but if you find that the guy is treating you, you know, like you're the little woman and just kind of patting you on the head and kind of being condescending and stuff like that, to me, those are the sorts of things that I think turn women off immediately. They're like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to pursue this anymore because they have a bad experience with it when, when you're in a mm-hmm. kind of male-dominated sort of environment and I would just say I would just encourage find find someone else because there are a lot of true gems out there who are just interested in teaching and it doesn't matter what gender you are they just want to teach and they want you to learn and that sort of thing and so you know it'd be my recommendation that don't let one bad experience keep you from doing something because when I think about angling it's not a man's activity it's an activity that men tend to do more than women right so why aren't we being involved? What What is it about it? Is it, you know, just like the social thing, the historical thing? I don't know why. What we do know is that with the support of companies like Al's Goldfish, as we all band together and support one another, we will make a major impact on the fishing industry to make it feel more inclusive to all gender and ethnic backgrounds. I'm so thankful for what they're doing, and I'm thankful for all of you who took the time to listen to the show today. Please visit thewomanangler.com slash 39, where you'll find links to Elle's Goldfish, the video I mentioned that Barb did with Mandy at the St. Paul Ice Show, as well as some photos. Stay tuned for next week's episode, which falls on New Year's Day and kicks off our very special Woman on Ice series leading up to the big Woman Ice Angler project at the end of January. Thanks again, and a very special Merry Christmas to you all. Be safe.